Good morning, Stockholm Community Church. It is so great to be with you this morning. We are on our second week here of the new year. 2021 has taken off and ready or not, we are going. The train has left the platform and we are in the middle of a series called Write Your Story. And I am so excited about this series because it really is true. We get to write the story of our life, the story that we get to share with others and that others get to watch and to be a part of. I cannot control the circumstances around me, but I can control how I respond to them. I get to choose what the theme of my story will be. I get to choose to partner with God and His purposes for my life so that my story can be the best story. And best, I don't mean perfect, and I don't mean without struggles, but a story where Christ is at the center and where I can walk in confidence in who I am in Him, no matter what comes my way. Last week, we talked about writing your story free from shame. And today, we're, we're going to hit a little bit of a big topic. And so I have been praying for you. I have been praying for anyone who listens to this, whether you are sitting in your couch at home, you're in the car, you are in your at your kitchen table, that as you hear this message of writing your story free from shame, that you will see life transformation. You see, we do these services here at Stockholm Community Church, not just because it is a hobby, but we are asking God to step into our life, to unravel lies that have tied us up and replace those lies with His truth. So I'm praying that there will be hearts and lives that are set free from shame this morning. That word, shame. Ooh, <laughs> you know, right? It's not a warm and fuzzy word. It's a word that I think all of us would like to avoid, a word that we really don't want to be part of our life. Shame. Some of us, we are ashamed of our poor financial situation. We're ashamed of choices that we have made. We are uh, ashamed of sexual sin that has been in our past. We carry shame with us into the future. It's like a nice, not so nice actually, a not so nice backpack that wherever we go, it constantly reminds us of the mistakes that we have made. We are crippled by shame because of secret addi addictions or things that might be on our computer or thoughts that we have. Shame, shame, shame. And I know if we were in the same room right now, I would probably see a lot of shoulders that would kind of bend forwards and bend down, heads that would get down, eye contact that would get avoided. Because that's what shame does. Shame tells us how bad we are. Where does shame come from? Well, shame is that voice that is constantly whispering that you are not enough. And if people only knew, 
If they were only aware, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. Shame just comes in whispers. Can come in the middle of the day. It could come at a party. It could come as we're putting our head down on the pillow at night. Shame, shame, shame. Shame usually comes from a failure, a choice that either we did intentionally or maybe even unintentionally. And then that failure becomes who we are. It defines us. And that failure now dictates our future. And it also dictates our faith and our story. Shame puts a distance between us and God. Shame's like holding a hand out and says, God, you don't get to come closer than this. You don't want to come closer than this. You don't want to be near me because of how I am and what I've done. Shame doesn't want God to come closer because we are fear, fearful of God's rejection. What shame often does is it puts secrecy in our life. Very few people go out and put on social media what they are ashamed of. You know, shame leads to secrecy. Secrecy leads to loneliness. You are alone in your secrets. And then because they're secrets, sometimes those secrets lead to even more poor choices. And those poor choices lead to defeat and more shame. And again, that shame then goes to secrecy, to loneliness, additionally poor choices, to defeat, to more shame. To all of a sudden, we're just one big ball of shame walking around and living in the shadow of who we are. Shame doesn't change our behavior. Hear me say that, church. Shame doesn't change our behavior, but shame actually attacks our identity. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. Guilt, I did something wrong. I did a bad thing. Shame, I am bad. I am a failure. I am a hypocrite. See, shame attacks our identity. You see, when we feel guilty about something, we can correct it. We can own it. Shame doesn't let us own it but makes us hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve, we see that in the beginning of the Bible, had a great relationship with God. And then there was this one tree, this one fruit that they could not eat of. And the serpent, the enemy, came and slithered his way in and started questioning, did God really say, did you really 
think that God wouldn't want you to have this? Don't you want to be like God? And Adam and Eve, before that in the Bible says, they were without shame. But after they took a bite of the apple, they didn't become like God. They actually became full of shame and they hid because that's what shame does. It makes us hide. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to hide from God. He doesn't want God to come in to restore us, to heal us, to be set free from shame. But no, the enemy, it says in the Bible, he comes in to kill and to destroy. And that's what he wants to do to yours and my identity. So what do we do with the shame? What do we do when we have made some wrong choices? Well, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this world that is free from sin. Not a single one. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Person sitting next to you right now, they've fallen short. The person here in front of the camera has fallen short. Even Mother Teresa has fallen short of the glory of God. And so what do we do with that? Well, 1 John 1.19 says, 9 says this. So 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It starts with confession, confessing our wrongdoings, owning them. I made a mistake. I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I did, shouldn't have done. I was in the wrong. And then as we confess to God, he is faithful to forgive us. So let's take a look at that. Wait, I confess, I admit the sin in my life and God doesn't punish me, but he extends grace and he extends love. Wow, what a God we serve. There's freedom in confession. There's freedom in going to God, because guess what? God already knows. <laughs> Whatever we have to confess to God, he actually already knows, and he's just waiting for us to come and to confess. Confession is not a legal requirement, but it is actually a gift from God, because he knows. You see, not confessing and the shame that we can carry, it can impact our thoughts. It can impact our heart. It can actually impact our physical well-being. And so God says, I want to set you free. I want to forgive you. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps me to make right choices. And the Holy Spirit convicts me when I have made choices that do not honor God, that do not honor myself or honor the people around me. And as the Holy Spirit convicts, yes, yeah, sometimes that doesn't feel great. 
None of us really like to be corrected, right? But the correction that comes from the Holy Spirit is a great correction because it realigns us again to the Word of God. And what I loved this, and then this is in the English Standard Version, Romans 2, 4, it says this, Don't you know that the reason God is good to you is because He wants you to turn to Him. God wants you and I to turn to Him. His loving kindness leads us to repentance. It's His love that makes us repent. It is His care for us that there's more, there's a better life that doesn't have to be filled with sinful choices that He wants to set us free. So I've come to the Lord and I've confessed my sin. He's forgiven me and I still have these feelings of shame. I have these emotions of shame. What do I do? So the first step to overcoming shame is to accept that which cannot be changed. I cannot change my past. I can't rewind the tape and get a redo, right? What has happened has happened, but I can write my future story. I can advance my faith. In the Old Testament, we read the story about King David. He seduces his best friend's wife. (laughs) He got her pregnant. And then he used his power to ensure that his friend got killed so that he could marry his friend's wife who was carrying his child. Now, David had a trusted confidant. His name was Nathan. And Nathan, he confronted David. David had every reason to believe the lies of shame. And we could even say, shame on you, David. You shouldn't have done this, 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 and this. But that's, again, not the heartbeat of the Lord, right? He doesn't point out our mistakes and say, that's who we are. It's actually something that we did because our identity is in Christ. Okay, side note. But instead of giving in to the feelings of shame, We can actually see in Psalm 51, David writes a song of repentance. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me out of your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
David did not pretend he was innocent. He was actually pretty honest in this psalm. He didn't allow a guilt trip to trap him or rob him of the joy of being redeemed by God. He knew he couldn't change the past, but he had hope for his future. If you are living with a secret shame, God can restore a new spirit within you. He can restore the joy of your salvation. And just as David had a miracle transformation, you can have that as well. When we break a bone, when that bone heals, it's actually stronger most of the time than before it was broken. And the same way, God can take the shame of our past failures and amazingly redirect the outcome so that the story we write is actually better and stronger. God can turn your shame into a strength. So don't buy in to the lie that you cannot be forgiven or that you cannot be made whole again or that you cannot have your heart be healed. Because you know what? You already are healed. God has already done it by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. And it's a free gift and all I need to do is ask for it. Now a little side note I wanna just hit real quick. Nathan, who confronted David, we all need some Nathans in our lives who will look at us and say, you are going down the wrong road. You are not honoring God with your life and the choices and what you're doing. You see, within Christian world, we get a little scared because we don't want to judge each other and we don't want to make assumptions about each other. But Nathan's act of calling David out gave David the ability to repent and then live in freedom. You see, if Nathan had not called David out, David would have lived with shame. David would have lived in his sin and not been set free. So may we not be fearful to step into someone's life and in love, not out of judgment, not for our own sake, but for our friend's sake say, hey, take a look at what you're doing. Course correct. Because God wants to do something in your life and he can't do it with all this other stuff that you're hiding and doing in secrecy. So may we be some Nathans in people's lives. And if we are Davids, someone comes to us and corrects us, may pride not stand in the way that we can be set free from sin and also set free from shame. Your story does not have to be covered in shame. Your story can be a story of redemption and a story of victory. And then we can pray to the Lord just like David did. Give me a willing spirit. 
Your story can reveal the Father heart of God and the power of grace and forgiveness. Your story can give hope to someone who is currently bound in shame. Your story of repentance is actually a story of victory. So when shame comes crouching at your door, it wants to move back in to your heart. Remind that shame where it belongs, under your feet, with no power, with no authority, with no room in your life. The power of the blood of Jesus has set us free from shame. And so today, Instead of your shoulder slouched over, I want you to sit up a little bit taller. I want you to take that shame and I want you to put it at the feet of Jesus. Now, how do I do that? Well, we say, Lord, this is what I'm shameful for. Because again, remember, shame attacks our identity. It says we are bad. It says we are unholy. It says that we are filthy. It says that we are unworthy. And we take that shame and we say, God, I'm going to give this to you. And what I'm going to pick up instead is that you say I am chosen. You say I am righteous. You say I am holy. You say I am a co-heir with Christ. You say I'm a son or a daughter of the king because that is my identity. And that is the story that I want you to write and that I want to write where shame is no longer part of the narrative, but hope and grace and forgiveness is right there. So as we continue to write our story, let us let God come in and heal our heart, heal our thoughts, heal our soul, so that we can live in the fullness of what he has for us.